This episode of Transparency Talks podcast is brought to you by Todd Barrow Music. Todd Barrow is a Texas country artist offering a fresh sound of modern country with a mix of traditional. Todd is a singer-songwriter who has racked up more than a few accolades. From a PRSA Award of Excellence to an award for Best Country Album, he has also made an appearance on Good Morning Texas. Todd is heating up the airwaves and has won over audiences around the world. Visit him today at ToddBarrowMusic.com. That's ToddBarrowMusic.com. Welcome, everybody, to Transparency Podcast. I am your girl, Butter B. Rocka. <laughs> and um, before we get into this episode, I just want to tell you guys, I mean, appreciate life. There is so many things going on in this world right now, but we are all here. We're living. We're breathing. Appreciate your family. And while you have this time at your house, uh, make sure you're doing something to elevate your mind, reading writing, become creative, find out some different um, tools and trades and different things that you can do. And also while you have this downtime, make sure you guys get to my book, Fear of Failure, Fear of Not Trying. Um, it is about my ups and downs in the music industry, all of the various people I've worked with and um, me getting myself back out there after a lot of craziness going on and everything. So make sure you get the book, Fear of Failure, Fear of Not Trying. It did become an Amazon bestseller within seven hours. It became a bestseller and hottest new release. So make sure you get that. Um, but without further ado, I would like to bring on Mr. Wizard Jones. This man Hello. is absolutely incredible. Hey, Wizard. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm so glad that you um, joined us today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking. That was pretty cool. I appreciate it. I appreciate you you, you picking up the phone and, and saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> so me and Wizard actually, I don't I don't honestly remember how long ago I met you. Um, but I know mm -hmm. I was around 14, 15. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's yeah. been that long. Yeah. And I think. And you came up for, uh, you were doing vocal lessons um, with my roommate at the time. And that's how we met many, 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 many. many. Well, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. There we right. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yep, a few weeks ago. So for those who do not know who you are, Go ahead and bless everybody and tell them who Mr. Wizard is. Well, that's not, well, Reginald, AKA Wizard. No, no government, sir. No government. <laughs> not um, Wizard Jones, uh, transplant from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 37 years ago into Atlanta. Uh, since moving here, have been a moving force within the music scene um, just by word of mouth. So uh, my hat's off to all of you. I thought that I was doing something spectacular and decided to mention my name. Um, I've been around for quite a while uh, in the music industry, whether Pittsburgh or here. Um, but I guess 
what do you want to start? Where where I got my start? Where I was born? Shoe size? Or you know what what we doing? Definitely the shoe size. Um, okay, so so we'll take it from the beginning because um, you're being very very modest right now. Um, he's a musical director. Uh, he's a producer. I mean, he's just all that plays the keys. I mean, I don't even. I think you play every instrument, but I mean, not. Yeah, yeah, like. So he's being very, very modest. So we gonna take it back to the beginning. Okay. When did you get your uh, first start and which instrument? My first start, uh, and I know everybody goes back and says this, but my parents were musicians. And my dad played uh, organ, he's a jazz organist. And so basically his uh, quartets would always rehearse at my house. My house, like I bought it there. But I was about five and, you know, they would leave the instruments to come back the next day to uh, to rehearse. So I'd pick up the guitar or drums, whatever was left at the house, I had access to play, you mm -hmm. know, besides my dad's organ. So uh, dad started taking me around on guitar. I actually started on guitar. Yeah. And, said, um, and at the age of five, I was playing with my dad and some of the little chitlin joints uh, around there, you know, which was cool with me. You know, in the summer, basically, is when I could work because, you know, I had to get up early for kindergarten. <laughs> Mom and her. <laughs> um, and that's where it started. It was just my love for music, just being in a musical household uh, all of my life. I don't mm -hmm. know anything else. Um, just knew I loved it. It was quite a few years later when I decided this is what I'm going to, when I knew better, this mm -hmm. is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Other than that, I was just playing just to be, you know, to amuse myself. Didn't so need when, friends, didn't need no imaginary friends. Right. So, so when you, when you actually said, this is what I really want to do, um, what was your, what was your pivoting moment and what was your first gig? My first gig was with when I was with my dad. I think he may have been five or six years old. Um, and I guess I really got the recognition. I was so small, but we were doing a, a, a little community festival in my hometown. Mm -hmm. And um, dad took a break. So I decided I would get on Oregon just because I, you know, it was a club, the Elks Club. And I wasn't allowed at the bar. I'm a kid. Uh, of course not. I had somebody else go get my drinks. <laughs> but uh, just um, and started playing. And the crowd get getting bigger and bigger. I wanted to watch the kid play. Was, I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't think nothing of it. I just thought it was cool. I was just doing my thing. And dad thought it was a pretty cool thing. So, um, during the summers when I was out of school every year, you always had some gigs lined up, but I was always playing guitar. And again, on his breaks, I wasn't allowed to the bar. He would go get my food or whatever the case may be. And I'd play organ. Just to, you know, pass away the time. Uh, we used a lot of great guys in my hometown, my cousins. Uh, who were also musicians. Uh, they, uh, you know, those of you in the industry or know about anybody in the industry, 
uh, one of my cousins, Grip Smith, who uh, his older brother, Purse, we all played together growing up with my father. And that's kind of like where it started. It was really, really young age. Then the other kids in my neighborhood, they got instruments for Christmas. We would gather at each other's house. Depends on whose parents were sick of listening to our noise at the time. Right. <laughs> and you said, oh, y'all going to have to go to George's house with that. And uh, y'all going to have to go to so-and-so and so-and-so. So we just, it was just a big circle. We kept going around everybody's house. But it kept us off the streets. Mm-hmm. Best things I could say about that whole time we were focused we had mutual interest and it kept us out because i come from a not really a great town it was easy to get (laughs) caught up in some bad things or find a niche to get up out of there Mm -hmm. now we are my the hometown i'm from is called alquipa which is about 25 miles outside of pittsburgh we're noted for our football legends, which are like Tyler, Darrell Revis, uh, Tony Dorsett, uh, Mike Ditka, all of those guys, the football giants, that's what we breeded was football players, and, and we still do. Uh, but my way out was through music. That is incredible. And I actually know Grip, I never knew that y'all uh, was cousins. Well, we know that. No, most yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Wow, so yo ho, yo ho. Your whole family's musical, okay? Actually, we moved to Atlanta together. We we were in a band back home called Rare Experience, and the band decided, you know, the steel industry was just shutting down. It was bad, and we decided we were going to move. We knew some people here. We were recording here, and one day we just said, "We got enough to move. Let's go." Wow. So. you caught your first big break at technically at age five. Uh, was your dad paying you? Was were you getting paid? Yeah, yeah. I got paid. You know, um, back in the day, back then it was just for the love of playing. It was right. Just, I got a barbecue chicken sandwich or something like that. I don't know. Right. Um, then I moved up. Uh, started making about fifteen dollars a gig. <laughs> Could. Yeah. You know how many G.I. Joe dolls and the little, little model cars that I could buy for a kid? I Absolutely. was in heaven that. Uh, and, and that was about it. But, you know, then I guess maybe around sixth grade uh, with a lot of the other kids in my neighborhood, uh, we got to find, you know, catching wind of one another. So, like I said, they would come over to man, can I bring my guitar over? Sure, let's go. And that's how my band started. I was in sixth grade, had my own band. Wow. And um, had to have, we all had to have chaperones. I was the baby. Um, and, you know, one of our parents or someone older would have to travel when we would get gigs or whatever the case may be. We played around town, neighboring cities and stuff like that. But we were determined to do it. Mm-hmm. The musicians come out of the Pittsburgh area and we wanted to be better than them. When the ego thing, it was just, you know, you had those grades you had to live up to. So you either start at that level or supersede it. And we always aimed, aimed high, Willis. We aimed high. <laughs> and uh, that's how I got out of there. And, uh, don't plan it in seven, but. The years I still think are pretty good to me. That's that's real cool. 
Okay, so so um, you initially started on another um, instrument, and then when did you officially switch to keyboards? Uh, you know what? It's, I'm not sure when. It's funny because I was such a, a, a small guy, you know, contrary to what you see now, those who know me. Uh, I was a really, really small, frail guy when I was a uh, young kid. And uh, my guitar was just too heavy for me to carry. My dad would have to come to rehearsals and uh, carry my guitar home. After you don't work 16 hours in the steel mills, pissed off, but he would come and get me. Uh, and that was only, I played guitar only because if I couldn't carry a guitar, I definitely couldn't carry a keyboard. Mm-hmm. Or they were making portable keyboards. And so the only thing I had in my house was a Hammond B3. We weren't carrying that. But I had always been uh, on keys. If we rehearsed at my house, uh, where the organ was, we rehearsed upstairs. Well, he gave me an organ, which stayed in the basement. And what's either one? So I would play keyboards at home. But if we had gigs, uh, it was pretty much on guitar. But that was the smallest thing I could carry. Uh, so it's all, I've always been a keyboard, probably around middle school, who, who believed in us and would help me carry the organ out of the house. Dad would let me use it. Um, Except for when we were playing in clubs that were like on top of buildings. It, it was crazy where we were set up at. And it was just too heavy to carry the organ up the steps. So we would work, we worked, we worked, uh, till I was able to afford keyboards that were small enough for us to carry. Mm-hmm. And maybe around 14, um, when I finally got my first Fender Rhodes, that's when I officially in a sense, kind of, people started really noticing me on keys. And when I moved to Atlanta, most people saw me on keys, but I always played guitar with my band. That's crazy. I never knew that. And but so when people see me play guitar, now I said, man, I never knew you played guitar. No, that's where I started. Right. And, you know, with drums and keys, all of that extra stuff was in the house. That's all it was. I was really fascinated with the guitar, still I am, but there's quite a few of them around here on the rack somewhere. And you yeah. know, actually, I saw, I, um, the last time I was at your studio, I saw other equipments, but I still, um, today is my first time knowing that you actually started on the guitar. <laughs> and most people don't know that because they see me on key or when I'm out working with the act, I'm never on guitar. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm never, but most of my, but 95% of my work is on uh, keys. I do a lot of guitar work around town. So that's when people see me go, whoa, I didn't know that. Uh, but you know, I'm like, what? That's all I played growing up. Wow. And during, during my middle school years, I went to trumpet trumpet all the brass instruments. It was whatever I could get my hands on that made any kind of musical sound. Wow. That, was, that brought peace to my world. 
Yeah, yeah. And I didn't have to be out in the streets, running the streets, and uh, I didn't do that till I was home, man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so you had your own band. When did you start playing behind um, other major artists? And who was your first major artist? Mm. My first major artist was that way, way back in the day. Um, was but and I only done a couple of gigs. She used my band or a few of my bandmates. It was Phyllis Hyman. Yeah. And uh that was one of my first experiences with someone on that level. Uh my band was always writing and doing their own thing and trying to get their own deal. So that was nothing we never looked at. You understand what I'm saying? We never looked at being a side musician for someone else. Right. It was always about us and us trying to be where they are and, and, and be that artist per se. Um, a lot of great things happened for us when we were younger growing up. Uh, like I said, Phyllis uh, Hyman was one. Um, then our band, we were opening up for dates with Tom Brown. A lot of stuff that came to the Pittsburgh area. Uh, the promoters would call us to open the shows. Mm -hmm. So that was our experience, our networking opportunities to get out there and uh, meet people. Right. And about to expand our brand. Uh, and so that was kind of dabbling into what we wanted to do. And I guess after moving to Atlanta, my first quote unquote break came with uh, we had started a band called uh, Project 1990, mm -hmm. uh, which a lot of the guys I still use uh, right now. So that band went on to be the backing band for TLC from the very first album, who on the TLC tip. So uh, that was back early 90, 91, 92, whenever that, uh, CD came out. So I guess that you can say that was my first break uh, on the level where I'm at now. And it's done nothing but elevate. Right. Uh, from that moment on, it's been incredible. If I left here tomorrow, I tell my kids, celebrate because your father did everything he wanted to do. In that life. is awesome. And more. That's so, awesome. uh, and still shooting for some more stuff right? because I've been blessed to be still be here so we keep climbing every day we can right so okay so you worked with TLC name some of the other people you've worked with and then when did it switch to uh, you becoming MD well you know what that's from the beginning uh, that's always really kind of been without you know before it became a title right uh, that's what I did. Okay. From a kid, I was, you know, from high school band, I was drum major, I directed the bands, the concert band. I was always in that position of leading musically. Right. Wasn't an MD or conductor, it wouldn't, I, I didn't look at it like that. It's just that I wanted to be good in all aspects of music that I did. And, <clears throat> and I guess my 
my band or, or other musicians always saw that mm -hmm. and would always get man so we're gonna do such and such a song and then they look to me go like uh or you want to do something else or you want to count it off or it was always something to go okay you take over i don't know what to do from here right uh or i think it would be better. and it's just been that way all my life so um and nowadays like i said when we got with uh TLC, my band project, 1990. Uh, Tommy Martin, uh, we had started this band together. So it, it was never like I was MD of that band. Right. Each one of us had equal say. If you had an idea, that's what I think leading musically is about, respecting who you create this sound with mm -hmm. and know that they have musical ideas too. And that's what we did. Wasn't looked at as an MD. That's just how it was. Right. And you know, you if you got a bunch of guys that work well together, you don't have to say much. The music dictates everything that we wanted to do. Yeah. So if Tommy said something on guitar, by the next time it come back around, we was all saying the same holding the same conversation. Right, right. Uh, and that's how it's always been. So that stood out when we did the TLC thing. Um, L.A. Reid noticed us. Uh, so he said, man, I got another act. He came to me and said, want you to put a band together for it? Sure. The next act was Tony Braxton. Wow. And during that time, in those early 90s, um, I was doing a gig with Keisha Jackson, uh, vocalist here in Atlanta, who I use on uh, just about any and everything that I do. Uh, we were playing with her in some of the clubs, just, you know, keep our chops up, make $5, try to live indoors, the whole nine yards. Because uh, we didn't have other jobs. We didn't have any jobs. We played music. We used to hustle to, to stay alive with that. So uh, Silk had just gotten signed. And Lil G would perform with us just to make those couple of extra dollars right. at the time. And they, those guys always said, man, when we make it big, you all are going to be our band. Sure enough, they, that held true. They hit that record. They called us. Uh, big kudos to them. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And, I'm, I'm, and to this day, 26 years later, I'm still working with Silk. That's the wonderful thing about that. When people like what you do, right. you keep calling. Right. You buy a car. If you like a Chevy, you don't buy a Chevy every time you go to get a new car. Right. But you just got a pocket full of money, you just going to buy that Benz, the floss. You know what I'm saying? I ain't right. got that. But uh, <laughs> I got a Marta bus pass, though. I'm good. I got a Breeze car, Jack. <laughs> so it was uh, from Tony to Silk. Uh, most of the work I did at the time was at for the LaFace company. Did you ever work with a few good men? No, never worked with a few good men. Knew those guys, but didn't work with them. Um, actually, my first gig with the LaFace acts was Damien Damien. Okay. Um, then we got, then we did get Tony. But Tony was put off for a few years before she came back out. 
Mm. Yeah, that material. Seven Whole Days was my favorite song for a long time. Right. Um, let's see here. Um, so we went to the, the, the TLC, the Tony Braxton's, the Silk. Um, what did I do after Silk? But it was, it was a number of acts that came from the face. It wound up being like I was really kind of settled into a, the resident music director. When they release a new artist and they're doing promo for television, they call me. Right. Thank you, LA. Appreciate that. Uh, and still to this day, I can say that I can go back and walk into any situation and hold my ground and have been with these groups for years. I love that. Did you did you used to work with Usher too? I know mm -hmm. you work with New Edition. Mm -hmm. uh, Usher Usher was the the next LaFace act. Okay. I worked with after uh, Tony. Actually, when we were doing Tony Braxton's first tour, we uh, were opening act for Frankie Beverly and Mays. And me and Tommy were in the band. We were you know our band nineteen uh, Project nineteen ninety. We we did that. Uh, then during that time, we caught the attention of everybody out on the TLC tour. That's what it was, with the Bobby Brown hopping around to Big Us B. Um, we did that, picked up management. Right. Uh, just people just, well, we wound up uh, getting a deal with Virgin Records, Project 1990. We changed the name of the man from Project 1992 Social Insanity, uh, which is a, a funk, rock, R&B bass band. Right. It was an infusion of everything. It was pretty dope. Um, so in the middle of Tony Braxton's tour, they, it got extended for a few more months. And me and Tommy were like, well, uh, we would like to, but uh, we got this offer from Virgin Records to go over here and do this thing. She said, look, go. I know that's important for everybody. Right. So we wound up leaving the tour after it was extended because we told Virgin we wouldn't be available till after January of that year, or that following year. Um, we went to the showcase. All kind of stuff happened in the world. Some things got shuffled around with Virgin and somebody else buying them and they're buying somebody else so a lot of people that worked to get us in the door were no longer there right so whatever they, you know how they pack up your stuff when they get ready yeah we was in that box they put the pictures in the little, the little plaques and stuff everyone right. was at the curb <laughs> but there were still other doors that were opening up it it's not like it was in vain it was a good learning process for us um, and you know, in between that, we wound up doing so many other acts. It was crazy. Who came after Usher? Wow, I can't remember who came after Usher. I think it may have been Goody Mob. That's who, Goody Mob. So we wound up doing Goody Mob. Best tour, one of the best tours I've ever been on in my life. I was there. <laughs> I learned so much from them brothers when I tell you just about how that culture felt, how they thought, 
how the music should be for them, how it spoke to everyone else. Because it, it, that was growth. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was the best thing that ever happened to me musically. So big ups to, to Goody Mom. Actually to everybody that I've ever gotten a call from. They say, come in and do your thing. That's the best thing anybody can do for you. Say, like what you do, come in and do your thing with our thing. Let's see what we come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's you know, awesome. During all of that time, my cousin Grip, he wound up being the music director, uh, going to Keith Sweat. So during the time of that, that the face here, Grip was working with like the Jagged Edge, the, the So So Deaf camp. Right. I was more yeah. so with the uh, the face camp. So we kind of really. I ain't gonna say had it on lockdown per se, the city, but the two major labels coming up out of here. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, oh, I forgot about during the course of all of that. When um, Chip Glass, he's, man, I had known him for years. He uh, said, man, uh, I got this brother from Columbus, man. We gotta meet him. We're gonna bring him up here. Want you wanting to meet you? I said, cool. I was working at a studio then, a record company. Mm -hmm. Brought him up. Said, can you show me how to work a drum machine? I just want to learn how to do what y'all do. If I, you mind if I watch? Go for it. Any questions? Ask anything you want to know. Try it. Don't matter. That's how I learned. So I was extending the uh, invitation open here. That young man happened to be in Dallas, Austin. So Dallas became, uh, of course, producer for TLC. Right. Um, during the course of that time, I'm going back a little bit. He had a group called the Highland Place Monsters. That was crazy. That was really a good group. Um, didn't last very long. Should have went on to be just huge, but those are politics in that. That happened with there. This funny thing was because of that, and then the time with the Highland Place Monsters, uh, Dallas Lake Brothers Squirt was out in the club looking for a band. Mm -hmm. So my band, Project 1990, were playing um, Chit Chats. If you're from Atlanta, yeah, y'all know about Chit Chats. But anyway, yeah. um, band Squirt came out. He said, "Man." You're the band my brother's been looking for. He said, y'all guys are great. I can't wait to get back to tell him about y'all. And I'm like, well, well, who's your brother? He said, uh, he's a producer's name, Dallas Austin. I said, oh, tell Dallas you ran across Wizard. Tell him I said, hello. Squirt, squirt, you, you're who? I said, Wizard. He said, man, believe it or not, he sent me out here looking for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> During the course of all of that time and reputation, like I said, everyone else has spoken for me. That's what's kept me working. I, without trying to be egotistical, but I never had to, per se, hustle for a gig a day in my life. Someone else has always been my re resume. I never had to sell it. Someone else did that. Wow. And I'm here. Uh, who else we? 
We did. We did Jagged Edge. I did Jagged Edge a couple of times television. Who else after that? Well, then I started going back to some of the groups that I grew up with. And one of the first groups that I got a chance to work with was one of my favorite groups. Um, 1980 was the year I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. Age, but I don't mind. Um, and the hottest song of that summer was Take Your Time, Do It Right by the SOS Band. And when I got a call from a friend of mine who was doing Tony Braxton, and some other groups with me. Uh, and he good. He go, man, we need another keyboard player. For, for SOS band, you interested? Damn right. Let's go, count it off, let's go. Uh, that started, and that's been about 30 years ago. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, one of my favorite bands, the, the hottest song ever during the summer that um, I grabbed my graduation. And actually still with them, I still program and do a lot of their shows. I just don't perform with them anymore because of scheduling. Um, got a chance to play with one of my favorite groups. Okay, we're going through some things. Then I get the call to go and do Usher, the My Way Tour. Take a break from that, go to do Usher, come back to SOS. SOS is doing a thing called United We Funk. And uh, during this time, United We Funk was a blend of quite a few groups. It was the SOS band, Confunction, Barcades. Roger, and Dad's band, yeah, five groups. And right at the time they were doing that project, Roger was killed uh, and they wound up replacing him with Charlie Wilson. Mm -hmm. They kept saying, man, I got the cat on keys for you. Rove kept saying, I got the cat. Man, he can cover all this stuff, it doesn't matter. Just so it didn't take off because of Roger's death. Right. Like they wanted it to. So I wound up going and doing the Usher My Way tour. And another friend of mine came in, uh, Wyland Morris, excellent producer and songwriter. You should look him up, he'd be good for the show. Um, and finally got the break to go in. They called and said, man, we about to go do these dates. Wiley's not going to be able to do them. Can't do them. Sure can. Send me the shows. Here's a bunch of groups I grew up wanting to be like. Right. Got in. Barcades. Confunction. Oh, man. I'm in heaven right now. Yeah. And that point is where I took off with all of the old school stuff because we, the United We Funk thing would work for two weeks and their respected bands, because it was like a couple of members from each of the bands right. uh, to come in. So we would come in and do that for two weeks and then their respective gigs for As Confunction, SOS, we do those for two weeks. So everyone was impressed with what I did. Charlie called, doing this solo up. I want you to come play with me. I'm on the way. Man, we got a date coming up, come, come function. Can you cover the gig? I'm right there. Knew all of the stuff right. from a kid. 
right. growing up playing and stuff. And from there on, it's just, just more and more of the old school, which is the stuff that I loved and grew up on, kept coming my way. Uh, doing that, that was one of the, oh, was that fantastic, that was great. Who else after that? I mean, we were doing, man, gosh, who else was there? Got a call one, one afternoon, a friend of mine that played with me with Tasha. Hey man, what you doing? Sitting around here. Wanna go to Japan? Yeah, with who? He said, you got a passport? Yeah, that's good. That's with who? Uh, new edition. Yeah, I, I can do that. All right. I'm gonna give you Brooke Payne's number. Me and Brooke talk. Uh, you think you can do it? We won't have no rehearsals. All right. I said, you have a copy of the show? Sure. Coming to get it. Boom. Took you my passport, took care of that. Two weeks prior to leaving. Wow. First gig with New Edition was uh, my first rehearsal was sound check in Tokyo, Japan. Wow. Uh, 17 years later, still there with Johnny and all of that. So went through quite a few years doing them back and forth between SOS, New Edition. New Edition was great because they had the spinoffs of uh, uh, Ralph, uh, BBD, and Johnny. So New Edition wasn't working. Johnny, BBD, all of those cats, I was always working. Right. Coming in, uh, then Bob came in a little later when I started doing the solo stuff with Bob, but uh, that was really cool. Like 17 years later, wow, that, that's, when I look at that, that's incredible to be yeah. with these artists for so long. Uh, SOS band, 30 years, uh, you know, new edition, 17. These are not just fly by night. I did a weekend or a gig filled in for somebody. Right. I was there and was music director. So wound up doing a gig uh, with New Edition. Uh, been there ever since. Who else? Coming at, oh, we were doing uh, BBD. That's what I was getting to. We are doing uh, Belle Bib DeVoe. Mm -hmm. We had a long month of gigs. And uh, we thought we were doing the, the last two weeks, but uh, things changed immediately. And it's not a bad thing, don't get, don't get me wrong, it's not a bad thing, it really was a blessing in disguise. And <clears throat> some of my bandmates were calling around trying to get flight information for the weekend. And I go, oh, are y'all using the band? He goes, yeah. Okay, are you using this band? So the guys wanted to move. Okay, fine. Got a brand new house. Don't know what I'm going to do with this mortgage. It's right. getting pretty rough around me. Tension is really high. Right. Um, so I decide I'm going to sit down and let God do what God does. And that's just, you know, he's in the blessing business. That's what he does. So I sit down with my laptop. 
I open it, I'm going through Facebook, see what's happening. I said, I'm gonna start throwing out some feelers. Like I said, all this time, I've never had to hustle for a job. Somebody's always called me, here's work. I'm, I'm there, uh, I'm going through the hay. So-and-so and so-and-so uh, is looking for you. It was the old manager for Goody Mom. Cool. We're on DM and I'm like, cool, I'll reach out to him in a few. Boom. I call him. Hey, man, what's happening? Everything's good. What you doing? You still managing? No, man, I'm into the politics thing. I'm trying to get um, this guy elected for Atlanta for Mayor Kasim. Uh, Mayor Kasim, uh, what was his name? That guy, yeah. Uh, anyway, we got through all the cordials. He said, look here, they're bringing the Soul Train Awards back. And they're going to bring them to Atlanta. I said, oh, man, that's cool. Uh, musically, start, you know, bringing some award shows and some other things to Atlanta that's going to make it happen. That's wonderful. Uh, what can I do to help? I know just about everybody in town. Uh, as far as musicians, that's what he said. He wanted to use musicians out of Atlanta. Cool. I got them. What you need? He said, hey, we only got one stipulation. Uh, the drummer. Uh, they want to use Lil John. I'm like, that's cool. All right. Y'all got a drummer. What else you need? He said, well, they need a music director. I'm like, well, there's a ton of them. There's some great stuff. He said, well, three names came up uh, when we were talking about doing it. And uh, so he says, um, he said, Phil Davis. I said, yeah, I know Phil. Phil works with uh, uh, George Duke and a whole bunch of other greats. I mean, one of, one of my idols, Phil is one, really one of my favorite players. I said, man, perfect. This cat can get it done. He said, uh, uh, grip, you know grip? I said, yeah, I know grip very well. It's my cousin. And he said, well, yeah, uh, they, yeah. they thought about him. I said, he's been doing Keith Sweat for over. Just a sec. Sorry, I missed that. Could you sorry. say it again, please? <laughs> That's uh, uh, Siri listening in on our conversation. I'm sorry. Apologize. Um, so yeah, he can do it. He's been doing Keith Sweat for years. He's he's up for the job. He can he can be the MD. He said, and there's um, and there's you. I said, oh man, that's cool. I, I appreciate that, uh, and I'm good with the, you know whatever way I want. If you want to use, be fine. If not, I can still supply you with people that you need. He said, no, no, I don't. I don't think you understand. He said, no, they want you to MD. The Soul Train Awards. Cool. <laughs> I mean, God is in the blessing business. I mean, I am in dire straight of some coins in my pocket. Um, just always on time. That's all it is. God just right. doing what God does. And uh, that was 2009. Uh, yeah, they said, pick the band you want. Only thing is, you got Lil John. Please give me Lil John on drums any day. I don't care. Right. That's wonderful. Got right. a good start. Uh, so I wound up calling in Phil Davis on second keys. Um, Mike Phillips is on sax. Mike brought in the horn section from Prince. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm off to this is 
this is Evan. I'm doing the Soul Train Awards. I'm MD. Not, not, I'm just, it's, still hasn't registered yet. But I got those guys. I call in Trey Gilbert on bass, uh, uh, Tommy on guitar, right. uh, DJ Kennett. Oh, God. One of my favorite DJs, absolutely in the world. Don't know him, you need to know him. That's a party rocker right there. But wound up being such a great thing. They said, look, uh, the production company that was filming this show, after we finished, it was a, it was a bundle of nerves. But after we finished, uh, Paxton Baker came up to me, uh, president of uh, BET TV One at the time. He said, uh, we'd like for you to do this uh, again next year. And, you know, we can talk about some more years after that. <laughs> sure. Right now, <laughs> like crazy. <clears throat> Obviously, the angel was a wonderful thing. Um, wound up doing that for three years. So Tommy Martin on guitar, I said, look here, man, they just asked me to do this next year. Uh, if you want it, the gig is yours. You come back and do it. He said, man, I'm right here. And he goes, and man, while we talking about putting stuff together, he said, I got this group, I got a, this guy, this artist got to put a band together for. Would you be interested? Any kind of money, be great. Right. What you got? Um, well, they're gonna put it. We're gonna put it together, and we're gonna uh, start rehearsals mid December. Uh, I said, "Well, who is it?" He said, "You ever heard of this kid uh, named Justin Bieber?" No. He said, "You haven't." He's the biggest thing on YouTube. Okay, I'll look him up. So at this time, I start looking through. There's millions of views per video this kid has posted. I mean, millions. And second lady said, well, they're gonna do uh, a um, audition for the gig. Okay, well, I'll come in and I'll do my thing and if they like me, they can keep me. So we come in, we do the audition and they were auditioning several people. And I asked the tour director, I said, well, does the other keyboard player need my keys uh, or is he bringing his own? Do I need to move mine? You know, I'm asking questions, trying to be courteous, get out of the way. He said, there is no other keyboard player. So you're the keyboard player. I said, I thought you said this was a uh, audition. He said, no, no, no. We, uh, we knew who you were before you got here. Once again, somebody else has spoken of me. Somebody right. was paying attention. You never know who's paying attention to you. Right. That's my mom was Scooter Braun, who at the time when I met Scooter, I was working with another artist that Tricky Stewart was producing, trying to get on the map. And Scooter was looking for that Justin Bieber at the time, was always at the showcases for these girls. And, um, Tommy said, you know a guy named Scooter? I said, I know one Scooter. Uh, I said, he played with me with uh, Joy Enriquez on a Jay Leno's show one night. And I think he's playing with uh, Marcus Miller right now. But anyway, uh, going through all of this, 
we come in there, Scooter walks in the room. I was like, oh man, that guy. He said, oh, you know me now? I said, yeah, I know you. I just didn't, I thought Scooter was a black guy. But Scooter happens to have been a white guy this time. So there was my first stint with Justin Bieber, which went on for six years. Uh, had a couple of health scares during the course of that time. I had two heart attacks while I was out on the road with him on the second tour that we did on the <laughs> Believe Tour, as the tour was. And thought that was going to be it for me. After the second heart attack, Justin said, man, go home, get better. Don't worry about your job. If you don't want to come back to the last day, don't worry about it. I got you. Just go get better. And like I said, when people show you that kind of love and, and respect for what you do and, and they have your best interests at heart, you, you can't help but to love and support these guys all the way through um, to the end because that's what they did for me. So wound up doing those two tours, major tours with Justin on the strength. Uh, who else we did? There's a lot more on the resume that covers who I've worked with more. The list is smaller for who I haven't. Um, I mean, I still have my favorites out of the old school. They're still like Sherelle, Alexander O'Neill. Uh, okay, you all know of the New Edition family and all of that stuff. In Vogue. Um, did them for quite a few years. Well, it's been a lot. Who is somebody that you haven't worked with that you want to work with? What? <laughs> That's crazy. I, I get that question a lot. Um, probably my, my number one would be Stevie Wonder. I, I play lead tambourine. It didn't, didn't matter. Just, <laughs> just put me on the stage with him and I'd be a happy camper. Yeah. Um, the other one would be Phil Collins. And uh, just thought his catalog is amazing. I love the songs and I love mm -hmm. the plan. And another one of my rock favorites uh, would be Rod Stewart. Just, he's doing more of the big band type of thing now, but the rock and roll, Rod Stewart. Yeah. Yes, I'd go for that any day. <laughs> uh, I didn't get a chance to work with Whitney. I've done some work for her, but didn't get a chance to like work with her on stage. But uh, who else was there that I didn't get or would like to work with? Hmm. Should that be anybody that, you know? Oh, well, good question. I think those, I, I mean, I know of those, but there there are some others when I hear them and I, I know I would probably enjoy doing what they do and uh, reproducing their music. I, I mean, I work with the greats like Butter B. Rocker, you know, we've done some things together. She's all yeah. right. She's all right. <laughs> Nobody know it yet, but when they do, it's going to be something else. <laughs> so let me ask you another question. Okay, so you had these heart attacks. I remember actually when you had them because I was checking up on you. Um, how important is it to have a plan B? Because like 
with with you on the road of course even for myself i'm on the road more than anything and that's my main source of income um i know that you are also a producer and different things but how important is it for people to look at plan b's even with the coronavirus going on now it's affecting a lot of people in the music industry who is used to touring so much so uh speak on that you know what i i I think if you plan ahead of time for a plan b your plan for me this is just my opinion uh your plan b's don't really come to manifest why because you'll be more apt to really spend too much time on the plan B as opposed to perfecting your plan A. Okay. And my, my whole thing was just my plan A was going to be my whole ticket all the way through this whole ride. Right. And right. like I said, even though a lot of my work is done on the uh, road, that's how I pay the bills. Just like anybody else goes to a job. That's my job. I go out, I reproduce the hits that these other artists have made. Love it. Do that. I'm gone for the day. Uh, for the weekend, I'm home. Unless you're doing a major tour like a Justin Bieber when you're gone for months at a time. Um, let's see, excuse me. Pardon me. Um, my plan B's came along because plan B, uh, plan A was on hold for me. Mm-hmm. So the same energy you put in keeping your plan A up here yeah. on, on top of your A game, when that plan B, when you start kicking that plan A over to let me get a plan B, and you really got to think in terms of putting all of that energy put, you put in the plan A, put the same in the plan B, and let's try to get that plan B up here. Right. Now let's try to balance that and keeping that uh, cash flow coming in just as strong on each one or steadily on mm-hmm. each one. Right now, we can't go out and get, we understand that. So my other thing with production, okay, there's television, there's film, uh, there's all kind of stuff within those realms. Uh, you have commercials, you have documentaries. Uh, so I'm, I'm putting together my voice package now, my voice demo now for uh, voiceover work. Uh, that is a part of my plan B. There's, uh, I love to cook, always love to cook. Anybody know it, that, you know, in the band know me. If we pull up in the hotel, we got some grill, we go into the store, we get some meat. TLC was the same way. We would pitch in money. If we got suites where we had kitchens, everybody pitch in $5, I'm going to the store. and. We selling fish dinners now. <laughs> but you know, and I would cook. So, uh, and I come from a family of professional chefs. Right. Um, that's my way of uh, cutting up chicken using a knife and cutting up something and not going to jail for it. Because right. there's some frustrating days out here in this business. You already know that. Um, so, with your plan B, I think would probably look at something that you already love doing. Mm-hmm. You know, most people have planned for a, had a plan for a plan B, and wound up going in that direction more so, which was you know, in in, in other words, uh, mom told me you know 
you need something to fall back on. Well, my mom said, well, if you, you plan on something to fall back on, you're already looking to fall. Mm-hmm. So that's why I never looked at a plan B in that aspect because plan A had to work because I have no plan B. Right, right. So, but when you start to uh, delve into these other aspects of uh, your career or another facet of something else that you may want to do, mm-hmm. just be passionate just as much as you was with your plan A. Right. And most people, you know, they go to school for accounting, so that's what they wind up getting a job at while they dabble in music. Because, you know, you got to pay the bills. You want to live indoors. I moved to Atlanta. I was living in my car, mm. frostbitten, you know, taking turns with my band, uh, keeping warm in the bathrooms at Crystal's, sleeping. Not cool. I wear like a badge of honor now, but because I made it. Right. But my focus was plan A. Right. Never to fall back on the plan B. Yeah. Some people think that's a little reckless. But if you're determined and you know that God is in the blessing business, I walk covered in his blood every day that I wake up. So I don't worry about that. Yeah. Maybe that's a bad way to look at it, but I, I honestly don't. I feel that I will be okay every day on the Even when I was sick, the heart attack, since then I had a stroke. Uh, and I'm sitting here talking to you. Tell my kids, if I leave here tomorrow, celebrate it. Don't mourn me, don't cry. Celebrate it. My dad was a butthole and he enjoyed every minute of his life. Right. And I have no regrets. None was a, well, you know, you have some along the way. Right. Have done that. But no, don't have any. Don't have anything for any suggestions for plan B, but give it your all like you gave your plan A. Right. Right. Fall down. Again, don't do the same thing. Right. Try something else. And, uh, and let's keep this whole party moving. Right. And excuse me one second. I know y'all don't think this wrong, but it's not. I've just been talking. Don't have no water. <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> no wrong. There you go. Y'all backing away from your computer. Like, hey, what's, what's wrong? We do be so, back there. We do be back there right now. I went to the store. I coughed and uh, this man looked at me. He gave me the side eye. He was just a little dry cough. He was like, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> See, carry your ass over there. Right. Right. But yeah, uh, plan B. What what's your plan B? Let me ask you a question. Well, I mean for for years I didn't have a plan B. My my attitude was pretty much the same thing as yours. I mean, it's always been just music, music, music for me. Um, I had to start thinking of other things when I injured my knee and couldn't get on the road. Um uh, for over a, a, a year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. That's when it was like, okay, so if I'm not on the road, I mean, I was still doing recordings and stuff in the house. So that was um, bringing in some money, but I did have to figure out some additional hustles. Um, mm-hmm. So I, and then I, plus I was going through my divorce. So I wrote my book. My book is about um, the music industry and, and, 
um, you know, all of the, I had a lot of setbacks from record labels. Um, I had two deals on the table. I got into a car accident, left me drinking from a straw for six months. And when I came back, you know, those deals were no longer on the table. And so I, I felt like I went through a lot of adversity and a lot of different things, but I was able to pick myself back up. And my focus has always been, you know, music, music, music. So now that I injured myself, it's still involved in music, but um, I went back to school and got a degree in marketing and public relations, which I'm using towards music. And my book is about music. You know, so everything is still in an entertainment. Still based world. upon that plan A is where your plan B's are and C's are falling into place. Right. And that's me. That's what it should be. Okay, I can't do this physically right now. Doesn't mean I'm out of the game. Right. I just have to find another way into the game. Right. Um, I've had examples of this a long time. Cousin of mine, uh, Charles Fisher, got drafted in the NFL. Like I said, my town is known for pro football players. Right. Cincinnati Bengals. Regular season game. Opening kickoff. Career ending knee injury. Mm. Never can play the game again. He's still in football, but he works in administrative office for the right. well at the time my last check he was working for the Seattle Seahawks so he's still in the game right as a as a the plan B based upon his plan A exactly exactly and that's what I think anybody in this industry should do I think I, and even back when I was coming up in the long in the music industry uh, everybody has little bit of ego thinking that they're going to be that Michael Jackson or if you played basketball the Michael Jordans you know you're going to be the next big superstar and you should dream that way you should keep striving to be all of that because nobody else is in charge of your dreams nobody else is going to put the effort into your dream like you do right uh, but I see a lot of kids nowadays that you know aren't really I guess don't really take the time to look at the business side of it mm -hmm. and that was something I had to do a long time ago right. my love for it was maybe uh, but it's called the music business yeah yeah. And when I tell kids not, if you don't get somewhere and get some knowledge real quick, you're gonna be on the unsungs or the where are they now? Right. Or, or he sure was good. Excuse me, pardon me. Um, back in the day, because you know it was a shame he had to he or she had to go and, and uh, overdose or kill himself. Right. Because they haven't taken the time to learn the business aspect of it to take care of that right because if you do have the talent um, and if you don't manage that talent where it becomes it can be monetary for you you're going to always wind up losing because nobody's going to 
give you a million dollars. Right. You gotta go out and go get, go make a million dollars. Even though I'm, I gotta go get my scratch offs now. I'm trying to. You know, <laughs> I play my numbers, you know. Hey, I'm still a million dollars shy of being a millionaire. I'm working on it. Uh, but th that's the that's the thing on on your on your plan B. Yeah. If you got a plan B, now would be the of course now would be the time to put that into play. Uh, but that should have been something you should have been getting information on or some knowledge about a long time ago. Right. Uh, because at my age, I don't see myself out here doing this much longer. Um, I'm fortunate enough, after, even with my health issues, I feel great and still able to do it. But there's something else that's out there that's blocking that right now. So what do I do? I'm gonna either have to hit that number, that Powerball, or find another way to get my hustle on. Right. Within my plan A, it's got to be within my plan A. Right. Because I don't right. know how to do anything else. Right. It's not a bad thing, I guess. No, it's definitely not a bad thing. I think you gave some amazing um, tips and strategies, especially for um, people in the music industry that are um, now hit with you know, what's going on with the coronavirus that has, that didn't have any, anything but just music, music, music. You can still do your music, but you need to figure out other ways within music to get it. So I think you gave some really good um, ideas and tips for everybody. Yeah, you, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things on your plan B. The music business, if you are, uh, as a side musician, of course, your production and you have more time to work on your craft now. Right, absolutely. If you want to be this mega universal star, I don't care how much you say it, but if don't nobody have know any material or like your material mm -hmm. that you're selling, that international stardom is going to elude you. Right. It doesn't mean you stop, it just means you stumble. Brush it off, try it again. Right. Try something else. Right. Got a different approach. Learn the business. Start utilizing the internet to find other contacts in other parts of the world. Right. Because it's not just about the, the folks on your block to buy, you know, and the family members to buy your record. Right. It's a whole mm -hmm. big world out there. Ooh, yes. Yeah. I've traveled it too many times. Yeah. And to watch what we do bring that many people together. Yeah. One yeah. Singing your material or whoever you're working for. Right. It's absolutely, that's the most magical thing I've ever witnessed. And still to this day, yeah. I'm amazed at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with me being an indie, with me being an independent artist, um, I am amazed and, and, and still in awe at all of the places I've been able to tour and see. Like I've literally been around the world and it's been a it's been an amazing journey, uh, especially because I'm an independent artist, but it is something that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. No, absolutely not. Took me away from my family uh, a lot, but uh, 
when the checks cleared, they don't mind. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, remember, was it the second tour? Yeah. No, no, it was the first Bieber tour. We were happened to been off in Israel around this time during Easter. Uh, got a chance to go to old Jerusalem, uh, see where Jesus was crucified, uh, see a Galilee. Uh, uh, God, what else did we do while we was in it? Jerusalem? But all that Passover stuff, they, you know, they wouldn't serve no bread. We couldn't get nothing, man. We weren't used to that. Uh, things of that nature. You traveled, uh, I've been to just about every part of Africa. Right. Um, Europe. Freezing in Oslo, Norway. Things I dreamed about. Like I said, some of those things weren't even things I dreamed about as a kid. They just happened to been a part of their package. Right. And I wouldn't change them for the world. Right. So it's, yeah, it can be achieved. You've been there. Uh, I mean, we dream of it, but when, once we get there, it's still work. Yeah, definitely. But you still come back and go, wow, I did that. Yeah. And that's, uh, until you get to that, that's which I call a small pinnacle in your career. I would suggest that everybody keeps striving for that because that's a wonderful feeling. Somebody's going to pay you some money to have some fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the best thing in the world. I wish everybody could, you know, go out and, and experience that. Yeah. Because, you know, I had to take a couple of jobs. I didn't like it first. Didn't last long, but, you know, someone telling you what to do. I hate that. Yeah, it, me too. <laughs> it's definitely... doing anything else with your, your, your recordings or anything? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the studio now. I, I sh I'm going to be calling you to get some more tracks so we can make up some little songs okay. and everything. Okay. Um, Wizard did... Um, did my song, uh, produced my um, single, Straight In My Heart, which okay, I have right. a music video for. Did you see the music video? Absolutely. Yeah, we it's on, it's on here. Yeah. It's on the computer. Yeah. Uh, well, one, it was something I really enjoyed doing because you came with an idea said, this is what I'm looking for. Can you do it? I said, okay, give me a second. Um, I'll downplay everything that I do because I'm always looking to make everything better. Um, that's why I say I'm never satisfied with the job that I've done. Right. So that's what makes me strive to be a little bit better every day. Yeah. But when someone comes to me and go, I like that, give that to me. So, you know, why do you want this garbage? But when it's <laughs> finished, you know, you try to get the best out of it that you can, but when it's finished, uh, and you think it's that masterpiece. It's a wonderful feeling to have that, all of that stuff come to life uh, with artists like yourself, uh, Johnny, and other people that I've written and produced stuff for. Whether it's a record or live, doesn't right. matter. Right. You're still creating what you bring uh, to the table is... It's, it, I guess that's that's my food. Right. My right. When somebody says, job well done. Right. 
and then you go out with what you what you brought to the table, um, bringing this stuff to life from this record to the stage. We're able to work thirty years from now. Yeah. Uh, twenty years, seventeen years. Uh, right. Johnny. Uh, those are the things that you do in life. Right. You look back and go, okay, I didn't mess that up too bad. Right. <laughs> now somebody, hopefully somebody uh, needs some tracks for a TV show or something going on on Netflix or anything. Sounds like a big paycheck. Call me, call me. Right. So with that being said, um, do you want to tell people how they can get in contact with you? If you need uh, tracks, if you Netflix, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you um, if you're looking for anything, uh, some most of the artists that I've named, if you look on uh, YouTube on any uh, in live aspects from Justin Bieber down to Barcage Dance Band, um, old school to new school, uh, you find me up in there, uh, which is wonderful. Um, but you can reach me through my Facebook, Wizard Jones, Instagram, I'm Wizard Jones, or Wizard6262 at gmail.com. Uh, phone number 770-315-3767. Shoe size 11, <laughs> and preferably George. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and uh, as many uh, passes on the Marta card, you can give me uh, silly. <laughs> have to be to be in this business you know that if you don't smile and find a way to to decompress it'll consume you absolutely it will consume you that's the dangerous part and that's any job really yeah post yeah. office you know it doesn't matter if you don't find something where you can decompress find 30 minutes a day to just get somewhere and decompress it'll make the whole difference in your life absolutely well, with that being said, we are going to get off of here. I want to tell you, thank you so much for being a part of my show. Um, I have learned so much that I didn't know. I thought I knew. I thought I knew a little bit of everything about people. <laughs> Most people do because I don't hang out, you know, or I don't, you know, all my business isn't on Facebook or right. that nature. Um, I guess that's why I need other people to help sell that part. I don't do that very well. Right, right. I'm just me, man in this world, trying to make some music and make others happy, make others sing along and dance. That's what's up. Well, guys, we're going to get off of here. But again, Wizard, thank you so much. And thank you. See you guys later. Bye. Nara. Since I've been to dream it